If you've been following the show for the last two weeks, you know that we've been following the career of The Rock as he transformed from a hot property to an established star. We saw him once as a young man, once at the height of his success, and this week we'll pay him one final visit at the end of his life as a regular wrestling character. It's a real Christmas Carol situation up in here. By 2002, The Rock had held eight world championships, main evented three WrestleManias, and starred in The Scorpion King. By a lot of metrics, you could already call him the most successful wrestler ever, and definitely the most successful wrestler to make a run at Hollywood stardom. What enemy could possibly be summoned to battle such a figure? Well, what about his metaphorical dad? In 2002, Hulk Hogan was the only figure even close to The Rock in stature. He was an 11-time world champion who had closed out eight WrestleManias and had starred in a number of films himself. Hogan had never really been a movie star, though, and by 2002 he had returned to wrestling and seemed to openly resent that it represented the peak of his cultural relevance. What better final boss for The Rock's pro-wrestling legacy than another legend who had failed to truly transcend the wrestling business and hated himself and everyone else for it? Today on I Hate Wrestling, it's Ages of Rock Part 3, Hollywood Babylon. Uh, hit, me, hit me with some more of those testes, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, check, check. Hello, hello. Check in the mic. Hello. All you fine folks out there in Radio Land, just doing a quick mic check here. Mic check. Check. We've got a call check. here for a Mr. Mic check. Put it against a sick house beat. That's what That's what people say and do, right? In 2018, yeah, that's definitely how the remixes work. I don't know. I don't know how anything works in 2018. It's pretty. It should be pretty obvious that we don't know how anything works in 2018 because it took us like five minutes to get this call going. I, I I'm starting to wonder if anything does work in 2018. Uh, um, you know, well, that's becoming an, a whole existential question. Yeah, is does anything work the way it's supposed to, or chillingly? Is everything already working the way it's supposed to? That's hey. spooky. That's Halloween time spookiness. I got a call for a Mr. Rod Serling. <laughs> uh, Jason, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. It's, it is great to be here. It's a lovely... It's not lovely. The weather here is shit. Here on the East Coast, it, it is, is uh... cold and raining. What is it? It is uh, sunny and 76, 0% chance of rain, high of 80. Oh, stop the presses. It's, uh, that's that's <laughs> Los Angeles. I will say we are in, and I can hardly qualify this as a, a complaint, so this is this is all very uh, relative, but we are at that point where if you have you know, work early in the morning, uh, by early I mean like 8 a.m., you do have to wear, like, a good-sized jacket only to, by the time you go on your lunch break, like, have to strip down to a T-shirt. Because when you leave the house, it's, like, 55 degrees, and then it jumps up 30 degrees in, like, two hours. So it just makes it hard to dress. That is – I don't mean to be uh, 
I don't mean to be dismissive of your of your your climate troubles, but the fact that you would believe that you need a jacket for a fifty five degree temperature is simply adorable. <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. <laughs> like I said, it's it's all relative because yeah. then I know there's you know there's. I'm like, oh, it's so hot, it's 80 degrees, and I know there's going to be people in South America that are like, oh, that's that's frigid. Yeah. Well, you know, soon enough it'll all be an arid Mad Max-style wasteland, and then all of our faces will be red. I call dibs on being the uh, the guy that plays the guitar on that car. The Doof Raider? The Doof Raider, yes. <laughs> Just shredding with fire shooting out. <laughs> it's absurd to me that that guy has a job. So the thing is, I think that he he's working for uh, Immortan Joe, like personally. Here's some here's a, here's a deep cut Judaism reference for you. He is David, having come to Saul's palace to soothe his 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 troubled soul with music, and that is the origin, secret origin of the Doof Raider. How's that? I, I like that. I you know or you know just just some form of because uh, I was also thinking he'd be just some form of uh, like. Badass metal court jester. <laughs> well, listen, uh, David, if nothing else, was a badass metal court jester. <laughs> That's from the gritty reboot. Oh, oh, now see, now I can't even think of the word gritty without thinking of the uh, the the beloved mascot that will end us all. Oh yeah. <laughs> some think the world will end in fire. Some think it will end in ice. I'm pretty sure it's going to be gritty. It, it's that's gonna be the last thing we all see before his, we die. His jaws will unhinge. And I'm now just imagining like the 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 sky red with fire, and the the trees are burning, <laughs> and somebody just puts up two googly eye balloons over the, the <laughs> over the, the flame to just make it look like gritty is what is ending us all. Okay, so uh, we're 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 far afield, but today we're here to talk not about the the imminent end of the world, but about. Uh, Professional wrestling. That's right, professional wrestling. Which, uh, having having done my my homework for this, uh, I was uh, wildly entertained, but I don't think it was for the right reasons. Yeah, it, <laughs> we'll talk about the homework in just a second. Yeah. But I, I want to go through my opening spiel here. Uh, please, please, uh, Jason. Do you in fact hate wrestling? I don't hate wrestling, but I. I I might, I might hate what wrestling has done to society. Okay. <laughs> Are we going to place the blame of society's collapse at the feet of Hulk Hogan? Because I'm not saying I don't agree with you. <laughs> if, if not, if, if, if it's going to be anybody actually, yeah, it's probably going to be Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is... I have very complicated. I don't have very complicated feelings about Hulk Hogan. Personally, I do not. I do not care for Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Let me say yeah, that. As, as, off as the I bat. thought, like, could it be anybody else? And I just started going through all the other wrestlers I knew, which is admittedly very few. But I thought, no, they all seem like pretty good dudes. No, and Hulk Hogan is the Antichrist. Outside the wrestling ring, yeah, he's trash. He's the he's the Antichrist because he's like, it's like say your prayers, kids. Uh, take your vitamins and. Uh, and, and say your prayers and do your training. And then in real life, he's like, racist sex tape. And it's like, okay. 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 Yeah. Do you know who, who Brutus Beefcake was? I, I don't, but I a name like that, I've got to look up. Okay, so Brutus Beefcake 
was a guy who was like a, uh, a lower level wrestler for many years at the same time as Hulk Hogan. And he was his real life best friend. And essentially, uh, Brutus Beefcake was kept around to be like the goat that you keep in the same stall as a racehorse to keep it calm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So a couple of years back, they had a big falling out on Twitter where Hulk Hogan slept with his wife. <laughs> And like, <laughs> and this is the best part, took her and the kids to medieval times. <laughs> so, so it wasn't just like a quiet affair of like, oh, one night of passion. It's like, I am just straight up taking your wife and family. To medieval times. Yes. It's like, man, that is just taking cuckolding to an entirely new level. I'm looking at pictures of, of uh, Brutus Beefcake. He looks like the, the love child of Bruce Campbell and Andy Kaufman. And uh, maybe a little bit of Gritty. <laughs> a little bit of Gritty, and like in a couple of these pictures, weirdly enough, like John Candy. Yeah, yeah, Brutus Beefcake's an interesting-looking guy. Um, so I love that their, their, their feud was... Of all, because that sounds like that would be a solid wrestling plotline. <laughs> but it was real life. <laughs> but it was real life. So instead of settling it in the ring, which would have been like a really cool thing to do, they just yelled at each other on Twitter. Yeah, and I think I think they they have made up recently because I saw a photo of them like with their arms around each other in what looked like an outback steakhouse. So I just which, I love yeah, the idea. I, I couldn't. I couldn't have written that any better. Like, that's how it had to happen. Yeah, I just love the idea that Hulk Hogan travels from chain novelty restaurant to chain novelty restaurant, destroying marriages. But, you know, no relationship is, is so broken that it can't be repaired by a bloomin' onion. That's right. Welcome to the Outback Steakhouse, where, where we guarantee Hulk Hogan won't fuck your wife or you get your bloomin' onion for free. That is a... a, a Damn impressive Australian accent. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, frequent listeners to the show will know that the largest reason I decided to do a podcast is so that I could foist my B-plus impressions upon the listeners. So you'll hear you'll hear plenty of them, I'm sure. I'm, I am here for it. I'll even throw in a couple of, of my own if, if we find an appropriate moment. <laughs> so, so wrestling. So wrestling. So, uh, so Hulk Hogan, who is... A complicated figure, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, but he's absolutely central to the narrative of the mainstreaming of professional wrestling in the United States, the the sort of creation of a national pro wrestling style, a homogenized sort of pro wrestling that you could sell coast to coast, didn't exist before Hulk Hogan. In that sense, he is a very important figure. A lot of his performance is weak. I think he's not necessarily a great performer. Uh, he relies very heavily on formula, but it's a formula that worked at a very formative time. And his centrality to that formative time has made him greater in the public consciousness than his skill set should really warrant. Does that make sense? I think Elvis Presley is probably an apt metaphor because 
he's the guy who was the biggest rock and roll star when rock and roll galvanized into a thing. And you can go back and be like, well, Elvis never really did anything that musically impressive. Like, in fact, a lot of his songs are not particularly notable, except that they are the output of this guy who was this, the most popular figure of a very important period in music. So Hulk Hogan is really, I yeah. think, the Elvis Presley of American wrestling. Yeah, and especially once you get into the uh, the flamboyance of it all. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and also, at, at some point, it starts to become less about the performance and more about just being that person. You know... And they both did some shitty movies. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Although I think Elvis was probably a better actor than Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan was a shit actor. Um, now, The Rock is, in a way, a successor to Hogan in as much as he was a, a figure who was not necessarily a great performer in a vacuum. I mean, there were plenty of wrestlers who were better athletes than him, you know, could put on more impressive technical matches than The Rock. But he was central to the late 90s wrestling boom. He was able to catapult stardom in that venue into genuine superstardom in a way that they tried to do with Hulk Hogan but never quite could. Yeah, Hulk was sort of the, the, the prototype, the, you know, the, the version one of like, okay, can we, can we make this guy known to people that don't watch wrestling but they know what wrestling is because of this guy? Right. Uh, whereas... The Rock was like, oh, but now we've got somebody that's actually good at it. Right. Hogan was bigger than wrestling in so much as people who don't know anything about wrestling know that wrestling is the thing Hulk Hogan did. Yeah. But The Rock transcends wrestling in such a way that wrestling is just a small part of his pop culture legacy at this point. I mean, yeah, at this at this point, he's been, I mean, he's been famous for at 20 years. Okay, so The Rock debuted in ninety late ninety five. Okay, so so he's been a some form of public figure for over twenty years. Yes, and so as a result, there are people that may not know he was a wrestler, possibly in the same way that like people know Andre the Giant from Princess Bride, but don't know him as a wrestler at all. Correct. Yeah. The Rock is such a is such a transcendent figure at this point. Like, I guess Hulk Hogan would be the closest possible analog in the wrestling world, and Schwarzenegger would be the closest possible analog in the Hollywood world. But in a way, The Rock has left them both behind. He's both of them times ten. Yeah. So the match we're going to watch today takes place in 2002, which is sort of at the tail end of both of these guys' wrestling careers. Hulk Hogan because he was aging out of it, and The Rock because he was about to... his Hollywood career was about to blow up. He did both for a little while, but eventually it was like, no, I'm going to be the most famous and beloved man on the face of the earth. You know what I mean? And yeah. wrestling sort of... Uh, he shed it. But, uh... So, what, uh... What kind of history do you have with with pro wrestling it's it's always been sort of on the on the outskirts it's never been a, a complete ignorance um i i know i i texted you that there would be uh afternoons back when channel surfing was a thing that you had to do to see what was on because uh, you're not going to go find the tv guide section of the newspaper 
where my dad and I would just be, you know, laying on the couch or something, just flipping through the channels, and then we'd find out, oh, pro wrestling's on, and we wouldn't know the storylines or really who anybody was, and I honestly don't remember seeing any, like, super, super famous wrestlers. Like, I don't have a distinct memory of watching The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin or, or any of those names that would sort of be known to people that weren't into wrestling. Um, I could have, I just, I just don't remember. Sure. You, you probably the, would have, that was the time that you were doing this, right? Late nineties, maybe early two thousands. I, I like, I'm mostly remembering this from a house we lived in from like 90, no, from like 2000 to 2006. Okay. So you're a little bit after the rock then. So you're in one of the, you're in one of the sort of cold periods yeah, so so de- yeah, I would say after after the rock, but like I knew, like I was aware of who the the famous wrestlers of the late '90s were. Sure, because they didn't all um, go away at once. Yeah, uh, but watching you know these matches and you know it was entertaining. It was mindless violence. I never, you know, I never once thought like, oh, that guy's really getting hurt. But it, I didn't quite understand the the amount to which it was scripted to have these storylines. And it really was only a couple of years ago that somebody was like, yeah, it's just like the hyper-masculine version of a soap opera. And I hadn't thought of it in those terms to because I hadn't watched enough to be like, oh, there are you know, season-long story arcs. There are things that happen outside the ring that involve like, oh, they put him in a stretcher and then they pick up the stretcher and they bash it against the side of the ring. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and then they put him in the ambulance and then the ambulance crashes into, a, into an 18-wheeler and, and catches fire. So I guess now's as good as time as any, as any to talk about the homework that I sent you, where that exact thing happens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the promo for uh, WrestleMania X8, which I... <laughs> it's, I like, it's like 18, but more extreme. <laughs> so the context of this match, I guess I should ask you first, do you know anything about Hulk Hogan's Hollywood Hulk Hogan phase? In the in the homework, Rock says that the fans always loved Hogan, and the fact that he was selfish is what ultimately drove him out of WWE. Right where he's where Hogan's talking about how the fans betrayed him and the fans didn't appreciate yeah. him, and Rock is like, "Actually, no, you're a piece of shit." And the fact that you couldn't get out from under your own ass is why you had to leave, and that's why your career suffered. It was it was the kind of scene that like I absolutely would have done in drama class in high school. I would have just taken those two monologues and like done it with a scene partner. <laughs> so that is kind of real life. In the early nineties, people were kind of sick of Hulk Hogan. And eventually in real life he's kind of uh he's a lot to deal with. And if he's making Shocking. you mil- if he's making you millions of dollars, you deal with him. If the ticket sales dry up and the merchandise sales dry up and he's not a draw anymore, then you don't deal with him. So in like '94, WWE cut their losses and released him from his contract. And Hogan went to WCW, which was their main competitor. And things did not get better for him over there. The fans never really embraced him because they were a Southern promotion and they were more gritty and sort of had a more realistic style of wrestling than Hulk Hogan's cartoony stuff. Right. 
So they never really embraced him. And Hulk Hogan's attitude, the character, and maybe even the performer, their attitude about not being appreciated by the fans just intensified. And in the mid-90s, he went full-blown egotist and changed from Hulk Hogan to Hollywood Hogan and started to talk about how the fans were only ever around because of Hulk Hogan and pro wrestling was the thing he built and nobody would be here if it wasn't for him and demanding that people show him the respect that he deserves and so on and so forth. And it really breathed a whole bunch of new life into his character and it got him, an, got him another 10 years of his active career. And he was the biggest star in WCW until that company went out of business in 2001 and they were bought by WWE. And then in 2002, WWE decided to bring him back since he had proven that he was now a marketable character again and they brought him in as Hollywood Hogan. So now the guy who was the biggest hero in the sort of golden age, the antediluvian age of WWE was back from exile, but now he was openly a piece of shit and he was going to be feuding with The Rock who was poised to take his place as the biggest star who ever came through there. So that's the sort of genesis of their conflict. You know, Hogan's riding back into town looking to reassert his dominance and The Rock is sort of on the side of his home promotion and its fans kind of saying, hey, listen, we're not here for this. We were fine without you. We don't need you back. They have The Rock now. So that's sort of the, the genesis of their, of their feud with each other. That makes, that makes yeah, based on, on everything I, I had seen, it, it almost seemed like a, uh, like it actually did seem Shakespearean when uh, Hulk has his, his whole spiel, you know, the, f the fans turned against me, uh, and then The Rock saying like, hey, no, they love you, I love you. Like, I hate that I'm going to have to be the one to kick your ass. They loved Hulk Hogan because of what he meant to them. They're always going to have Hulk Hogan as this preeminent figure of their childhoods, and they hate that he is destroying that. He's actively destroying the joy. Like, the fans, here's, here's a perfect example for you. The fans that are watching a Hulk and, and, and Rock have this conversation are fans who watched Hulk Hogan on the couch with their dads. And here he is coming back and saying that he hates all of you. <laughs> you know, I hate all of you. And they're like, yeah, yo, stop, yeah, stop yeah. coming back in time and shitting in my, my breakfast cereal while I'm trying to have a Saturday afternoon on the couch with my dad. Like, he's actively punching their nostalgia in the face. He's holding their nostalgia down and punching it in the face. And that's, yeah, that, that's an, an accurate read. Now, I, I in, in doing a little bit of research, I, I heard that they did not expect the crowd to love Hulk Hogan as much during the the match than they actually did. Yeah, so that's that's something that uh, that's going to come up in the match itself because this match is it's shrouded in a lot of uh, a lot of myth, frankly, because this is 
now one of the all-time great surreal memorable moments in wrestling, you know? And surreal is right. Having having watched the match, this was Oh, you already watched the match? Surreal. Uh oh I I somebody put I, and I think there's a lot of super cuts in it, but I I definitely have acquainted myself just just okay. a, a little bit with okay. Because I saw that I watched the promo mm-hmm. and then just sort of skimmed through this like twelve minute video of the match just to sort of see, you know, what 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 am I in for? Yeah, so that's um, that that's actually pretty good that you did that because one of the things we're gonna we're gonna miss by watching this with the sound off so that we can record is that you don't get the full uh, the full magnitude of the audience engagement with this match. Yeah, it's monumental. People are so here for this match. Because, one, it's it's a legitimate dream match. This is something that uh, the commentators say, we'll never see Tyson and Ali, we'll never see Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds. But, like, we're seeing this. This is happening. And it's happening in front of their eyes. And the other really cool thing about this, and probably the reason that the fans throw the expected dynamic of the match off kilter as much as they do is that this match is taking place in the same exact arena as it's the, the sky dome in Toronto. Um, it's the same arena where Hulk Hogan had his legendary match with the ultimate warrior at WrestleMania six. It was another one of these moments where two huge stars had this iconic face off. And you have to imagine that a lot of the same people who were in that audience as kids are here at this show, maybe with their kids. And the nostalgia is strong and it is palpable. And they embrace Hulk Hogan with open arms. And it seems to surprise even the performers how much they are they're embracing Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And at, when we watch the match, I would encourage you to, to, I'll probably point it out to you, but how the performers are very clearly surprised by the reaction and how they fold the reaction and allow it to color their performances in this match. Because there's no way that they could have done this match the way it was originally designed. It was originally supposed to be uh, Hulk Hogan is 100% the bad guy, The Rock is 100% the good guy, and the fans are going to be cheering The Rock because he is standing up for them when Hulk Hogan is blaming them for him turning into a shitlord. And the lead-up to this match is crazy. Like, Hulk Hogan attacked The Rock... And, like, put him in an ambulance and then tried to smash the ambulance with an (laughs) 18-wheeler. It's like, it's attempted murder happened. So, did you you have any other thoughts about the, uh, about the homework, about the interaction between Hogan and Rock, or the, the sort of nature of Hollywood Hogan? Not, not so much that, that it was just very clear watching them, you know, give these monologues, why The Rock became such a star uh like in and like an acclaimed and accomplished actor where uh hulk hogan did not no again um it's very real is it does 
was it just for this, or does does The Rock always speak in the third person? Oh, he always speaks in the third person. The Rock says, if you smell what The Rock is cooking, it's it's habitual, yeah. Okay, and that and that's... Okay, so it's he's he's like Elmo in that sense. Because I, I, I knew he did. You know, can you smell what the rock is cooking? Thought like, oh, maybe he throws in like an occasional third person. But it, it was definitely a weird because he was very well spoken, you know, very uh, you know very uh, articulate, but also in the third person, which didn't quite. Okay. So yeah. I feel like initially, if you're gonna pull that kind of trick, you're going for more of like a Neanderthal. A Mongo, Mongo yeah. only pawn in Game of Life. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, no, it's uh, this is a very Jewish episode. <laughs> we 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 started with uh, we started with actual uh, biblical scholarship, and now we're we're doing Mel Brooks. Um, yeah. So, no, The Rock has always been a super egotist. That's sort of even as a as a heroic character, he's extremely full of himself. Like, and he's always like, he always called SmackDown The Rock's show. Like, how dare you come on The Rock's show? Like, that was his thing. That was also, a, a, with, I assume, minimal effort, a solid rock impression. <laughs> solid as a rock. <laughs> solid as a rock. <laughs> um, I never, I, I guess I never really tried to do a rock impression before, but uh, it's a pretty good one, I guess. It's, a, it's okay if it's identifiable. Um, and probably anybody referring to themselves in the third person as The Rock is identifiable as The Rock. So, at this point, I think it would probably be uh, prudent to go ahead and check out this match. Okay, so, immediately, uh, we have this weird try-hard affectation from Hulk Hogan of uh, putting a monochrome filter over his entrance. <laughs> Just to show yeah. you how stripped down and not red and yellow he is anymore. He is, he is, uh, yeah, that was the thing I noticed. He was, he was way, way less colorful than, than I had anticipated. Right. All black and white, you know, uh, he's still orange, um, skin wise. Yeah. But, and we just saw him throw up a very embarrassing gang sign. You catch that? The four life. He's, He's doing his whole like swinging back and forth bullshit. Strutting out there, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's his four life. Yep. Okay. There it is. Okay. So oh, that was that's gross. Yeah. I just hit four twenty. Blaze it. <laughs> okay. I just saw him. Uh, he's a, he just did a little bit of air guitar. Um, Hulk Hogan gets the rock bottom in Toronto. We see a sign there, and he's got how many feather boas is this? Is this two or four feather boas? Uh oh, that's a good question. I think it's in two. black and white. It's hard to tell. In black and white, he looks like Cruella DeVille. He does. He looks like a weird gender-bent Cruella DeVille. Um, Those are undoubtedly women's sunglasses. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with that. No, but they're, they're grandma sunglasses. He looks, like, the, he, he looks like Nani out by the pool. The beard that he has during this, <laughs> he's got the, the iconic mustache, which... I, I have to say, I saw the Beach Boys this summer, and Mike Love currently has a Hulk Hogan mustache, <laughs> oh, no. which I was losing my mind. Um, yeah, he's got the, the, the standard handlebar, or horseshoe, I guess, but, and but with the, the rest of it is painted on. Behind the, the black stubble, it looks like he just rubbed coffee grounds <laughs> on his face. 
Um, so did you see the Hogan tore his shirt and then he sort he's, of looked around yeah. surprised? He's, he's te- so he's tearing the shirt and now he, he, he looks... He actually, right now in this moment, he looks like the Muppet Manamana. Yeah, so Rock's coming down now. Um, Rock is much less uh, ostentatious in his body language than Hogan. He's sort Which, of. Would you say that's that's representative of his era of wrestling? Uh, n- not necessarily. I think The Rock has always had, for such a big personality, has always had a very stripped down ring entrance. This has always been the extent of it. He walks down. He stands up on the ropes in a very majestic pose, raises one hand, closes his eyes, throws his head back, and drinks in, as he calls it, the electricity. So, I've seen Paul McCartney do the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, if anybody is a match for The Rock, it's Paul McCartney. Especially at this age. Yeah. Uh, and I think Hulk Hogan might be about Paul McCartney's age in this match. 76? <laughs> he looks it. Um, he does, he, like, they just cut to him, his guts hanging out. He does not look good. Well, I mean, he is 50 plus. I mean, if I like this good when I'm over 50, I would be shocked. But also, okay, so you see this look on the Rock's face here? Yeah. He is confused, and Hogan seems a little confused too, at the amount of positivity being directed at Hogan right now. So what we're hearing right now is people chanting for Hulk Hogan, and The Rock seems a little bit put off by it, and Hogan seems cautiously optimistic. And when Hogan first tore his shirt and he looked at the he looked out at the audience, he seemed a little bit surprised too. Yeah, he was probably expecting a sea of of booze. Yeah, I love. So they're just like hell yeah. yeah. I love this moment too, where they sort of look past each other, and now we 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 zoom out to get the full scale of this arena, and imagine how loud it must be. I'm I'm liking the the little smile that that creeps across Hogan's face because that that seems genuine. Yeah, he was not expecting this. Yeah. Yep. And now he's back. Now he's he's... Going, going back to posing. They're like, oh no, I'm the Hulk. But for a second, he was like, oh, this is okay, this is pretty fucking cool. All right. Yeah, and uh, I also really liked. Did you see the giant, uh, the giant full face poster of Hogan, sort of in his '80s glory? That was being held yeah, up. Yeah, Sort of the, the very real specter of nostalgia hanging over the proceedings here. All right, so now they're, they're shoving each other. Yep, we get, we get the lockup, and Hogan, surprisingly, is able to throw back the rock. And, and look at how he flexes, and people are, are out of their minds. We zoom out so we can see all of these people cheering Hogan, and look at the rock with his eyes bugging out of his head. Oh, I, I just saw the D's nuts sign. Yeah. Is this is two thousand two? So this is I feel like before it was a, a meme. Before it was ubiquitous, yeah. Yeah. Um, the the thing I, I did notice just looking at you know the the promo and uh, you know just all all these other you know clips and, and skimming this earlier is every time one of them gets thrown they they look incredibly lightweight. It's it's like watching dancers. Yeah. Because they know how to land. Yeah, it's your it's your job, especially if you weigh 
250 pounds to not get hurt when you fall down. Look it's at like when you see a professional diver go off the high dive and he doesn't make a splash. Yeah, look at Hogan just threw the rock again and, and shoulder blocked him to the ground and did one of his sort of classic flexes and people yeah. are losing their minds in a pro-Hogan way. And Rock, sort of his eyes are so wide. And look at this. He can't focus on Hogan because he's so shocked by this unexpected wave of support for his opponent. Now, you'll know more about this than, than I, certainly. Uh, but I, I had read that as a result of this, this outpouring, they ended up improvising a good amount of the match. Yes. Yes. And you can really tell where the match starts oh, to oh, get... Oh, he just got... He just started, like, as if he was a little kid that got hit in the stomach. Yes. And a beautiful clothesline uh, takes The Rock down. And Hogan uh, clotheslines The Rock and then immediately looks to the audience to make sure they're still cheering because even he can't believe this. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yep, uh, Rock ducks a clothesline and now Rock hits a flying clothesline that takes Hogan to the ground and... I think in sort of a beautiful poetic moment, knocks his bandana off, revealing that, oh yeah, he's an old man. Yeah, oh, you know? yeah, there he is, there he is. So I, I feel like that's that was sort of a moment to snap us out of it a little bit, where we have this idea that, oh wow, Hogan's as good as he ever was, but here's The Rock to point out, no, he's an old man, and I'm going to show you that he's an old man. And he looks, I mean, even for by, by wrestling standards, looks Real goofy without the bandana, just yeah. showing the shiny bald head. Yep. You should probably have shaved his head. And here, here we go—a a big slugfest where uh, the Rock is just laying into him with these massive punches. I always love the punch where the Rock rears back, looks at his own hand in uh, in admiration, and then punches you. <laughs> um, but yes, as you said, this match is sort of infamous for being uh, heavily improvised towards the end. And I'll let you know where things go uh, awry and start to be very, very influenced. Because right now, both of these guys, neither one of these guys is really being too good or too bad. Yeah, it seems to be fairly evenly matched. Uh, and I can tell, like, still heavily scripted or if, if not scripted, at least, like, you know, Having spent enough time as as a musician to know like how to you know lead just via eye contact and very subtle gestures, right? They're to not see those same kinds of things happening here to be like, okay, get ready. Here's the the lead up to the move I'm gonna do. So get yourself ready so that I can throw you without you getting hurt. Right. So uh, we just saw the Rock go for he popped the squat and then tried to do the Rock Bottom, which is one of his two uh, finishing moves. The other one being the People's Elbow. But Hulk Hogan, Elbow, of course. yeah, the Rock uh, Hogan was able to uh, was able to uh, fight out of it. But yeah, nothing that we've seen here so far is particularly. Uh, it's all very basic stuff, and what the reason that people are responding is because of the people who are doing the basic stuff and the context in which the basic stuff is happening. You know, uh, this isn't a match where these guys need to go out and. Uh, well, you said Paul McCartney, right? Paul McCartney doesn't need to uh, push the envelope of his performances. People will see Paul McCartney and lose their minds over Paul McCartney because they're seeing Paul McCartney. Exactly. 
So in exactly that same way, that's kind of what these guys are doing here. They're playing the hits, right? And, uh, and neither one of them, like I said, is particularly leaning in too far to uh, heroism or villainy. Right In a vacuum, you probably wouldn't be able to tell which one of these two guys was supposed to be the hero and which was supposed the, to be the villain. Especially with the sound off. Right. Yeah. Um, and it should be pretty clear in a wrestling match who is the hero and who is the villain. You know, because heroes and villains have different, you know, they wrestle in different ways. Uh, a villain is cowardly. A hero fights through the pain. When a hero is on the defensive uh, he's emoting so that you sympathize with him. When a villain is on the defensive, he is begging off and screaming for help. You know what I mean? Neither one of these guys is being obviously heroic or obviously villainous. So in a way, they're very much sort of letting the fans dictate how this match is going to go. Uh, is, he, is he giving him a wedgie? What is happening? Okay, so so this is an abdominal stretch. So he, uh, he had the rock uh, bent over there. And oh, uh, a pin attempt from Hogan. Uh, and it's a two. But yeah, this is one of the first times that Hogan was sort of doing something openly villainous. He uh, had him in that, that abdominal stretch, sort of uh, putting, putting strain on his, uh, his, his midsection. And then was just like punching him in his, in his, uh, in his stomach, which is kind okay, of a yeah, dick cause, move. Because when he, when he just like pulled up on the back of his shorts. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I'm not opposed to seeing The Rock's ass, but this doesn't seem like the place the or time. T- the time or the place, right. Hogan, uh, not, this is not the time for another one of your sex tapes, buddy. Um, so Hogan right now has The Rock in the corner, and he was raking his back a little bit. So now we see Hulk Hogan, or I guess we should say Hollywood Hogan, leaning into uh, his douchebaggery a little bit. Really, really leaning into being being the heel. Yeah, and now he's biting The Rock. So now... Hogan's at least a little bit trying to come back to his his heelish roots, saying that he's uh, he's he's willing to fight dirty. So in case we thought that this was the Hulk Hogan of old, not exactly. Maybe there's flashes of him left, but right now he's still Hollywood. He's maybe, uh, you know, it's sort of a Luke Skywalker, I know there's still good in you, father, situation. Yeah, but it's not all the way there yet. He hasn't uh, he hasn't turned against the emperor. And here Hogan is is just straight up choking the rock. So we know that Hollywood Hogan is back in the driver's seat. These people might uh, have good feelings about him, but the character is still. He's still feeling a certain kind of way. He's still kind of a douchebag. And there he is choking the rock with his wrist tape. Another shitbag move. So this portion of the match is where we're sort of back into the original plan, which was Hogan is the bad guy. We want The Rock to fight from underneath and, you know, give him his comeuppance. Now, is is the, the name Hollywood Hogan, just the, the use of Hollywood, is that like a dig against Hollywood as a concept in the same way people talk about, like, yeah, the liberal elites of Hollywood? Like, was that still... <laughs> part of it like the kids from fucking uh hocus pocus where they're like oh yeah i like your shoes hollywood like to to be like is that and maybe it's just because i i live you know a a 10 minute drive from hollywood but i I don't think of it in those terms because i've been there and it's like 
dirty and touristy. Like it's not yeah. this weird, yeah. you know, fake glamorous thing. It's like no Hollywood. Like yeah, you maybe go go out to a bar there, but right. no, you don't just spend uh, time in glamorous Hollywood. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan was one of my all time favorite wrestling personalities. He was a manager and later a commentator. Um, just oh, there's Jerry the King Lawler on commentary, who you might recognize from Man on the Moon. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I just watched the uh, the Jim and Andy documentary. Um, uh, so more punches here from The Rock. Uh, Hogan was trying to throw The Rock through an announce table. So once again, you get the idea that Hogan's kind of a piece of shit. Um, and uh, surprisingly, though, The Rock picks up a chair, <laughs> apparently to try to. This would have ended the match on a disqualification. But, oh, then uh, the referee took the chair from him and Rock got clotheslined. But Hollywood Hogan uh, had twofold meaning. One was that he didn't want to be Hulk Hogan anymore because Hulk Hogan was the hero. And he had been in a few movies. So the idea was that he wanted to be Hollywood. He wanted to be uh, glitz and glamour. And also Marvel was suing him because he did not uh, have the rights to use the Hulk. (laughs) It took them that long to sue him for the name? Yeah. Um, well, they, should, they should have caught onto that a, a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, Ooh, ref's down. Yeah, ref's, the ref is down, and uh, and Hogan's now in control of The Rock. Oh, oh I was going to say Bobby Heenan, who's one of my all-time favorite wrestling personalities. Like, they used to call him the Johnny Carson of professional wrestling. Just a uh, fucking hilarious guy. Um at that time, a lot of, uh, like, glamour boy wrestlers build themselves as being from uh, Hollywood. And Bobby Heenan always build himself as being from Beverly Hills. And they're like, well, why do you do that? And he goes, to make everybody who says they're from Hollywood look like an idiot. And, and as somebody that lives over there, like, that actually makes sense. I think the whole idea people have of Hollywood is actually Beverly Hills. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, so The Rock here has Hulk Hogan in The Sharpshooter. Uh, one of the all-time great submission holds. And, oh, uh, that's good. Yeah, that's he, good. he's cranking back on Hogan. Looks like he's taking a shit. It does look like he's taking a shit. This is probably the best sharpshooter The Rock has ever has ever applied. Hogan crawling for the ropes. He reaches the ropes, which should mean that Rock has to release the hold, but there's no referee to enforce that rule, so Hogan is tapping out here. He's submitting to The Rock. And but, I did not know that, that hold, holding the ropes uh, means that... Like you, that is that is that like a timeout? Yeah, if you're being pinned or you're in a hold, if you touch the ropes, the referee uh, uh, breaks the hold. Interesting. Okay, that makes that makes sense. So there, d- despite what it appears, there are rules. There are rules which are sometimes enforced. Um, in this case, though, the referee has been knocked out, so uh, there's there's no rope break. So the Rock should have won the match there, but didn't because. Hogan knocked down the referee, and now uh, Hogan sort of with a surreptitious uppercut to the Rock's dick, and then he hits a rock bottom, which is the Rock's finishing move, and he goes for a pin, but the Rock escapes. The referee... Yeah, and I, I was just wondering, like, at what point would you just, like, kick a dude in the nuts? Because as much as, like, hitting somebody with a chair or throwing them over a table seems fine, like, all, all the just punching in the face seems like, what, you can't just punch the guy. <laughs> okay, so you're right. Technically, uh, and the referee has fallen asleep again to allow Hulk Hogan to hit the rock with his weightlifting belt. <laughs> Which also, like, that seems totally fine. So, 
Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So technically, you are allowed open fist punches. That's okay. the just that's that's the justification. Uh, you can't punch somebody with a closed fist, but open hand strikes are allowed. So that means like chops are okay, like palm thrusts are okay. Even like you could punch somebody as long as your fist isn't all the way closed. So that's technically the rule. Um, all right, all right, I can I can hang with that. Yeah, and there are things like if you're pulling somebody's hair. Uh, the referee will start counting to five. If he gets to five and you still haven't let go of the hair, then it's a disqualification. So there are rules to wrestling. And if they're in... Which would make you think a lot of wrestlers would not have such long hair. Right, yes. Um, now The Rock is sort of giving Hogan back his uh, his medicine by whipping it with the belt. And I love this. Holds up the Hollywood belt and then spits on it, which is hilarious considering what happens to The Rock's career after this. <laughs> Uh, then the rock that he made sure to spit on the Hollywood side of it. Yeah. Um, and the rock, uh, with the rock bottom and Hogan kicks out. And now this is the point where we're in uncharted territory because Hogan is quote unquote hulking up. So this is how classic Hulk Hogan matches ended. He would just reach a point where he was just shake off punches and wag his finger at you as he's doing right here. And he's punching uh, he's laying the, these strikes in with strikes in against the rock. The rock hits that uh, he hits that big boot against the rock, and you see everyone in this arena is on their feet. He hits the running big leg drop. The rock's legs go up in the air, and one, two, and the rock kicks out. The rock becoming one of probably only five men in history to kick out of Hulk Hogan's big leg drop. So I will say th- those the the punches leading up to that were genuinely some of the worst stage punches. I've seen better stage combat in like high school productions. Yeah, Hulk Hogan is very bad at almost every part of his job as a professional wrestler. Um, Which is astounding. Yep. And then uh, another another big boot sends the Rock down. He goes for another big leg drop and misses, apparently injuring his ass. Rock pops back up to his feet. He's popped a squat here. Here we go. Rock bottom number two throws Hogan down. And uh, at this point, I love the Rock just shaking his head. No, there's no way I'm losing it at this point. And he's not going to go for a pin. Instead, he's picking Hogan up again. Rock bottom number three driving the old man down to the mat and now kips up. Uh, We're doing the people's elbow here. He takes off his elbow pad, throws it into the audience. We zoom out again to see the people on their feet for the rock bounces off the ropes, the people's elbow. And now here's the pin one, two, three. And the rock has defeated Hulk Hogan and he held the pin for a couple more seconds, just so we saw that he had Hogan dead to rights. He didn't let go at three. The referee counted one, two, three, and the Rock stayed down for maybe two, three more seconds, just so we know that his time is now. A beautiful ending. Though I would like to have seen the people's elbow from a different angle, because it doesn't look like he even touched him. Yeah, um, there's no angle for the people's (laughs) elbow that looks good. (laughs) It's very much a... Great concept... 
but there's, Poor execution. there's like no safe way to do it that involves actually touching him. There are plenty of uh, there are plenty of elbow drops that look good, although they wind up being essentially armpit drops. But I think The Rock is moving so fast, and he has to do his little fancy footwork on the way down, where it just never looks right. But uh, again, it's a more of a it's more of a charisma thing with him. Uh, I mean, that's 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 his whole thing. I mean, you say that uh, Hulk Hogan. Not, not great at, uh, it seems to be the, the three main tenets of wrestling, which would be uh, acting, uh, stunt work, and uh, so acting, stunt work, and I guess what's, what's the third? Maybe those are just the two, the two big tenets of it then. Well, no, uh, there's, there's also uh, one thing Hogan is good at is uh, working a crowd. That's, that is true. He's got, he's, he can work the crowd. But he can't do the other important parts of wrestling, right? Which makes it that much more impressive that he was as famous as he is. Though for as cartoonish as wrestling is, I guess you could compare Hulk's style to like the you know the cartoons of his era being like GI Joe and Thundercats, whereas Very the Rock's yeah. era being more like Batman the animated series, which is a much better. I I, feel like it, I love Kevin Conroy as Batman. Let me just say that right off the bat. Uh, these two gentlemen now are facing off. Hogan's on his feet, extends a hand humbly to the rock. Which is, it's, it's heartwarming. And apparently, uh, Hogan may have actually dislocated a rib during this match and finished it. A tough old bird is Hollywood. Yeah, yeah actually, like, he actually does <laughs> seem to be... <laughs> He, I know he's not that good of an actor. No, exactly to, right. To be in that much pain. And in a very uncharacteristic Hulk Hogan moment, he shakes the Rock's hand and then sort of motions, it's your ring now. Although in a fairly characteristic Hulk Hogan moment, he's staying in the ring. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, Hulk Hogan has always been a guy who uh, loves the spotlight. He, Hulk Hogan's a guy who has to be yanked off stage with a shepherd's crook all the time. He's the kind of guy who they got to play his music at the award show because he wants to keep talking. Like, that's Hulk Hogan in a nutshell. Look at this. Rock won the match, but Hogan's standing in the ring mouthing, what a guy, what a guy, but he's the guy on camera. <laughs> and now here is Hulk Hogan's uh, buddies from the NWO, his uh, sort of weird uh villainous street gang you know they're the guys who do the gang signs with him and uh these guys are now attacking hogan because uh you know he failed to beat the rock and maybe showed a little bit of humanity which they're not into but yeah, neither of those guys look human yeah um so here's the rock back in the ring uh throwing these guys uh peppering him with strikes uh kevin nash getting Clotheslined out of the ring. Kevin Nash was in uh, Magic Mike. Oh. And he was also he was also a super shredder in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: colon, Secret of the Ooze. I do I do know one of the Ninja Turtles. Oh, do you? Which one? Yes. Uh, I don't remember which Ninja Turtle he played, but uh, Robbie <laughs> Wrist. Oh. Yeah, Robbie Robbie Wrist is a, a friend of mine. I've, I've known him for a few years. Um, almost better known for being Cousin Oliver 
Oh, he was Michelangelo. That's Michelangelo, cousin Oliver. He was cu- he was cousin Oliver in the Brady Bunch, and he's uh, stuffy in Doc McStuffins. So a I'm varied sorry. career. I'm sorry, cousin Oliver was one of the Ninja Turtles. Cousin Oliver was one of the Ninja Turtles. What the fuck? I'm so yeah. upset I didn't know this. He's also done the music for the Sharknado films. What a life! Right? Yo, okay. I thought I it was... he's listening, but Robbie, if, if you're out there, I love you, man. I love you, too. Listen, I thought it was wild that Kevin Nash was in, uh, was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Magic Mike, but... Like, that that puts this to shame. The match is over, by the way. We can stop. <laughs> now, now they're just they're just soaking in everything. You know, the, the Rock came to, to the rescue, which is the the perfect, like, oh, you think the final battle's over, but no, there's more. Like, it's, you know, something out of an action film. Yeah, yeah. It's the, this is like the, the, the handshake from Predator, right? Like, this is, uh, oh, and now... Uh, I don't know if you stopped. If you stopped, uh, no, I'm still, still going. Okay, so Hogan went to leave, and Rock is telling Hogan to get back in the ring so he can do his he can do his signature uh, poses for the crowd because the Rock knows that's what the fans want, and he also knows that that's what Hogan deep down wants. He wants that adulation, and here he goes. There it is. The the uh, the exaggerated cupping his hand to his ear, the I can't hear you to get them to cheer louder. And these people are losing their goddamn minds. And you have to imagine this is pretty cool for The Rock, too, because, you know, The Rock is a third-generation wrestler. Um, look at that. The Rock also leaning in like, like he also can't hear exactly. <laughs> it's a pretty cool moment. And it shows you exactly why The Rock is a better actor than Hulk Hogan. But... Yeah, The Rock being a third-generation wrestler, uh, his father, um, Rocky Johnson, was a tag team champion sort of during the Hulk Hogan era. Um, so, which, which is weird, because like, I, I don't ever see a situation in which I would like beat up one of my dad's friends. Right, right. But it's got to be cool for him, like, here he is, an equal to the guy who was on top of the world when his own father was uh sort of on the undercard you know yeah no that's that's uh it's it's a nice moment it's the kind of thing that if i had been in the crowd knowing absolutely nothing if you had just said like hey what are you doing today let's go to wrestlemania and i had no idea what was going on other than i know who these two people are i think i would have been like screaming as much as anybody else just getting swept up in the the emotion and the hysteria in the room. Yeah, because and this and what a room, right? I mean, this is an entire arena, and uh, just I, I actually looked this up. Sixty-eight thousand people are packed into this building. Sixty-eight. That's a big arena. Yeah, and imagine just the energy, the energy that these guys are uh, are forced to absorb and essentially photosynthesize into a match into a memorable moment. It's, it's really amazing. And I tell you, that's what, that's what Hulk Hogan can do. Hulk Hogan's, whatever else he can't do, what he can do, he does have this incredible ability to harness this sort of energy and forge it into a memorable moment. 
And he is clearly actually hurt. Like, he consistently is grabbing his rib. Yeah, Hulk Hogan has never remembered to sell an injury this well. He's probably hurt. So that's... Yeah, he's, 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 not, he's not in good shape. Yeah, so that was... Uh, so that was The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan at uh, WrestleMania X8. Jason, what did you think? That was that was phenomenal. That was thoroughly enjoyable. How long would you? How long do you think this uh, this match went on? Just out of curiosity. I mean the the video itself. I'd say based on the it's what, like a thirty four minute video. I'd say it was probably twenty five minutes. Yeah, and how long did it feel? It felt like five or ten. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And if if we look back on it, what all did they really do? You know, 90% of it was them punching each other. Yeah, it's yeah, a, a few a few big moves, a lot of punching, a lot of kind of just kind of squaring off a little bit, but not real a lot more lead up to actual events and looking at each other angrily. Yeah, and despite that, uh you and I one of whom is not a wrestling fan, the other of whom is a wrestling fan with a dim view of the guy who's essentially the protagonist of this match. And we're both sitting here saying, that was pretty fucking incredible. It was, you know, in a way, it's, it was like Argo in that it was thoroughly enjoyable and then at the end you go, oh, but nothing actually happened. <laughs> 90 minutes of just like a lot of tension of are they going to do just this one kind of minimal thing. Yeah. And in this case, it's like, oh, so basically The Rock just needs to knock out Hulk Hogan. And it's a lot of like, is he going to do it? And then he does it, and then it's fine. But it, you know, over the 25 minutes, it just speeds by because you're so invested in it. I remember there was a, like an old, like old Seinfeld joke about boxing. He was like, boxing, they just they get in the ring and, and they just start hitting each other. But there's, there's no conflict. There's no, why are they hitting each other? You know, they should drive around in little cars until they crash into each other. And, and then, then they have something to fight about, yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, he doesn't talk about pro wrestling, but pro wrestling is exactly that. It's, okay, let's give them a reason to be beating the shit out of each other. Right. Um, which, honestly, this bothers me a little bit because they do have a reason to be fighting each other, which is they work at the same place, which is a company where you wrestle for a job. Like, that should be enough reason for most matches. You don't have to have a deep-seated personal issue for every match. You both work at the same wrestling show. You know, eventually you're going to wrestle each other. So Yeah, like, that should be, you know, there, there's enough drama. There, I mean, there's enough drama just in sports in that it's just sort of like last team standing. You don't have to be like, yeah, and then, you know, in the dead of night, the Red Sox stole all of the Dodgers' equipment. <laughs> burned it uh, in an effigy like it's i can't no, just i can't believe gritty ate the other team's mascot <laughs> yeah they, they killed the other team's mascot and filmed it <laughs> and they uploaded it to the dark web <laughs> mailed a vhs copy to uh to cnn <laughs> okay or, or i mean at least like i mean i, I and i i don't watch wrestling and i, I don't watch uh, ufc but it seems like ufc it's just they're just being assholes to each other in the lead up. Yes, yes. Like there's there's no like overarching plot of like, oh, I, I can't can't believe that uh, I don't even know any UFC fighters, but that he 
you know, stole his wife and brought her to medieval times. It's, I can't believe it. It's just like, it's just whatever trash talk, you know, in the press being like, yeah, uh, I think he's a piece of shit and I'm really looking forward to putting him in his place. Yep. I can't believe, I can't believe Jeff Punchglove took my wife to medieval times. Is that a real person? No, that's my, that's my pretend UFC guys, Jeff Punchglove. Jeff Punchglove. I like it. Especially given the, the, the almost total lack of gloves in UFC. No, they have little gloves. They don't have no, shoes, what? but they have little gloves. Oh, I thought they just taped up their hands. Oh no, no, they have to wear they have to wear um, like uh, those those grappling gloves where the the knuckles are padded, but their their little fingers are, are loose. Okay, so okay, I'll I'll take it. I'll take the you know fingerless gloves. Jeff and, and <laughs> fingerless gloves makes it sound like you're gonna start break dancing. I was um, thinking they were going to start, like, a trash can fire for warmth. Right. Well, they should have fingered gloves. What, what, are, what, what, are like, what do people at hobo camps need their manual dexterity for? What are they building circuit boards? Come on now. I mean, that was just a, I think it was on the, the Good Place, a joke where they, they gave a homeless guy with fingerless gloves money. He was like, now you can afford fingers for your gloves. <laughs> He's like, no, the cool kids wear fingerless gloves. Okay, um... No other thoughts about about Hulk Hogan, about The Rock, about pro wrestling in general. I, you know, I I'm wondering if if I my my enjoyment of this match was probably largely due to my familiarity with both wrestlers. That if it had been another, uh, you know, you you could say like, yeah, this is an incredibly historic match, and give me the context, and it would be enjoyable. But I I wouldn't have had the same. Uh, you know, emotional investment if it was two wrestlers I was just fully unfamiliar with. That makes sense because these are two guys that, uh, even if you're not a wrestling fan, you're aware of them and their preeminence in the pro wrestling world. So there must be an element of like, oh, okay, I get it now. I get why these two guys are two of the heads on the pro wrestling Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So if- yeah, it was. It was definitely... And, and yet, there were a couple moments where I om- weirdly almost forgot about their wrestling association despite watching the, these two important pro wrestlers wrestling. But for, for a second, you know, I, I s- like snapped back to The Rock as actor and action star. As the tooth like, fairy, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind of goofy to see this, you know, this great action star just kind of like, you know, shirtless and glistening with uh, with his receding hairline, just, like, throwing Hulk Hogan around, like, that's that's weird that people watch this, and then, but only for a split second, and then went back to, like, no, of course, there is, you know, so much history behind this. This is actually what they are known for. Yeah. I, I think in, in your case, anyway, it might have not been, and that's why I chose this, this one for you, is that there's plenty of wrestling matches that are objectively better than this. Like, I could have gone to a hyper, hyper realistic Japanese pro wrestling match where these guys are not pulling their strikes and they both have legit martial arts backgrounds and they're not trying to knock each other out, but they're also hitting each other for real and it goes like 30 minutes and they both leave it all in the ring and there's blood and like maybe somebody got concussed and just like a really hard-hitting physical contest that's objectively more impressive from a performance standpoint, but I think in this case, I made the right choice. 
Absolutely. Oh, I would like to point out that the sponsor, the official sponsor for this match, <laughs> Sour Skittles. <laughs> Jim Ross, who's a... Uh, I don't know if you know who Jim Ross is. Well, you do. Uh, even if you don't know him by sight, he's the iconic pro wrestling play-by-play guy who, if you've ever seen, like, vines of pro wrestling commentary over cats fighting each other. Oh, he, he's he's their Don Pardo. Okay. Yeah. So Jim Ross is the one who's like, by God, by God, he's broken in half. Like, that's Jim Ross. Okay. Um, why did I start talking about Jim Ross? Sour Skittles? Yes! Okay, so he's very infamous for a product placement where the, uh, the, the for a little while, the Skittles slogan was uh, Fruity Delicious, Fruity Fruity Fruity, Fruity Delicious, Fruity Skittles. So if you picture this tubby little Oklahoman guy in a cowboy hat just screaming into his microphone, Fruity! Fruity! Delicious! Fruity! 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 Oh, God, they're fruity! Skittles! Like... <laughs> Like, I associate Sour Skittles with, like, elementary school, uh, a bunch of us going to the movies, like, a very, like, like childhood, easy, family-friendly snack. It's not, like, if it was sponsored by Doritos, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Doritos and not that Mountain I, Not Dew. that I, my association with Doritos is necessarily badass. Sure. But it, like, it just seemed like that would make more sense of like, yeah, a snack you might eat while watching wrestling as opposed to sour Skittles. Like, it, you know, if, the, if, if it had been sponsored by like York Peppermint Patties, I'd be like, what? <laughs> Brought it's... to you by Charleston Chew. Brought to you by Luden's Cough Drops. Beeman's Gum. <laughs> I was just talking to my roommates last night. I don't know if this was actual product placement or if this was just something that happened but last year, during an episode of Jeopardy, uh, whatever the, the, the answer was, like it, it ended up being about the, uh, the Ghostbusters remake. Okay. And, you know, so, so what is Ghostbusters? Uh, and uh, Trebek, like, turns to camera. <laughs> and he goes, Ghostbusters, all women in theaters this summer. <laughs> and I, I can't imagine... That was the copy that was provided to him. Ghostbusters, ma- all women. Which makes me think, they weren't a sponsor of the show. <laughs> I, he just I wanted people to know. Try, I think he was just very excited by it. Ghostbusters, all women in theaters this summer. <laughs> Ghost. <laughs> okay. This has been another episode of I Hate Wrestling. Uh... I want to thank uh, I want to thank Jason, uh, my, my my wonderful guest for today. I want to thank my good friend Corinne Dodenhoff for designing my logo. I want to thank the Novas for the use of my theme song, The Crusher. You can uh, check me out on Facebook at I Hate Wrestling. Uh, I'm on Instagram at I Hate Wrestling. I am at Twitter at IHWPod. You can visit my official website at IHWPod.com. You can buy a shirt. They should buy a shirt, right? Oh, absolutely. Everybody should buy a shirt. Yeah, everybody should buy a shirt. You can buy shirts, you can buy uh, buttons, you can buy stickers, you can buy bandanas for fat dogs. Um, you can buy essentially anything, and you really should. What about bandanas for thin dogs? I guess you could cut it down. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, okay, um, 
Jason, do you know how I end the show? I don't know how you end the show. Okay, so I ask my guest, if they were going to be a pro wrestler, what would their character be? Ooh. And you're my guest, so what would your character be? I could probably base it off the same, uh, I, I'd read somewhere, the, the way to get your, your blues name is uh, the, the town where you were born and then like a physical characteristic, which would make me Livingston Slim. <laughs> uh, and I think I would be, I would be like, I, I wouldn't be one of the like big, You sound like a cigarette. <laughs> I, I'd be like, I'd be a wiry guy and I'd mostly rely on props. Like I would be having to use chairs and things like that because I couldn't just take them down with brute force. But I think I would have a guitar strapped to my back that I would just beat people over the head with. That's not as original as you might think. <laughs> I, I'm positive it's been done before. I can think of, off the top of my head, three separate wrestlers who have done this. Um, but were, were they also like 120 pounds? No. Um, so See, we, there we go. So we had, uh, originally we had the Honky Tonk Man, who was an Elvis impersonator. Beautiful. We had... Uh, Double J Jeff Jarrett, who was a uh, like a frustrated Grand Ole Opry singer, was his character. <laughs> and, and that's how country singers take out their frustration by yeah. just beating the shit out of people. Yeah, and here's the thing with Jeff Jarrett is he had one of the worst catchphrases you can possibly imagine, oh, which no. was "Listen up, slap nuts." Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining this in like a like a Slim Pickens voice. Listen up, slap nuts. Yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee all the way with Jeff Jarrett. Oh, no. Yeah. So, boy, good golly. Jeff Jarrett, not great. Um, listen, can you imagine Can you imagine being a pro wrestler? In the, in the late 90s, which was his time, you know, everybody had a catchphrase. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Austin 316 said, I just whipped your ass. That's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. The Rock, uh, if you smell what The Rock is cooking, finally The Rock has come back to town I'm in now. Like, Mick Foley had had a nice day. The Undertaker had rest in peace. Uh, Degeneration X had suck it. Like, everybody had a catchphrase. That was a thing. And Jeff Jarrett racked his brain, and the best thing he could come up with was, listen up, slap nuts. Ooh. Imagine oh, that's, <laughs> that's bad. That's really bad. Imagine walking to the ring, wearing... A sleeveless T-shirt, <laughs> carrying a, a guitar spray-painted a metallic silver, wearing those weird, like, again, grandma glasses, but the ones with, like, yellow lenses to filter out all the UV radiation. Oh, no. Like, spiked-up Bart Simpson hair, and a T-shirt which reads, Listen up, slap nuts. The, the, I, I'm imagining him... <laughs> walking to the ring, getting handed the mic, yelling, listen up, slap nuts, and the crowd immediately falling, like, deadly silent. <laughs> like crickets chirping. And it just really throws him off his game. Man, maybe that... Like, listen up, slap nuts, crowd goes silent. Um, uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm the baddest here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick his ass. Um, um, it just really undermines his confidence. That's totally true. <laughs> I'm going to say one more thing to all the people listening out there. 
Listen up, slap nuts. <laughs> I was I was at a party uh, last night, and if you were a person who does uh, who does voices, uh, you're probably aware that one of the most uncomfortable situations you could be in is somebody like grabbing your arm and be like, "You do voices, right? Do some voices right now." <laughs> yeah, when when you get all those all those eyes on in in a way where like. You didn't start it, and then eyes were on you. But the opposite of like, oh, they're they're expecting something. Yeah. Um, Do you think this oh, happened okay. to like Lawrence Olivier, where he was walking down the street and people were like, "Do Hamlet." Hey, hey, actor boy, why don't you act for us? Yeah, why don't you act the scene? And they're like pulling. Do a soliloquy. <laughs> they corner him at a party and like pull a chase lounge around. <laughs> We got some props. <laughs>